0: Ogumbo wallet For the win! Good! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Women's basketball fans, we are here for another episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. I am your Tuesday host, Erica Lindsay. Ayala. We are here. It is the Tuesday before the American version of Thanksgiving. Uh, Despite how we might feel about the history of the holiday, I think we all can appreciate um, and honor the need for a day to reflect and be thankful. It's been quite a doozy of a year and some of us were having a hard time even before coronavirus. So I want to say that I am thankful to all of you to the listeners. Thank you for supporting Locked On Women's Basketball. Thank you for supporting women's basketball. Thank you for supporting all of the different guests and especially the outlets and creators that we honor every Tuesday in the WNBA offseason. And of course, these are your essential resources. And on today's show... I am going to talk about a specific Players' Tribune article and explain to you why Vintage WNBA is not only an essential resource, but really should be a springboard to how a lot more people talk about women's basketball. So for those who may not be familiar, this is a Twitter resource, Vintage WNBA. And Vintage WNBA is an account, um, you know, I've mentioned across the timeline before, which uh, of course is a a fantastic resource. But if you are on Twitter, you probably have noticed Vintage WNBA will post different highlights, they'll post different um, media packages, they'll post different in-game features that come from... The early days of the WNBA. Uh, let's um, let's give you a, a little bit of a, a preview of one of the uh, most recent posts by Vintage WNBA. So you'll you won't get to see the video. I'll put the clip, of course, in the description. But uh, let's listen to this gem here. Back here at Madison Square Garden. Hammond up court and picked by Jackson. Jackson has been a whirlwind on defense, and she converts with the layup It's 9-3. Don't be surprised if Vicki Johnson starts to handle the basketball because Tamisha Jackson's quickness is going to pose problems all night for Becky Hammond. Vintage WNBA just uh, a few hours ago posted that. That is Tamisha Jackson uh, with the steal and score circa 2004 Tamisha was playing with the Washington Mystics. They were on the road against, as you heard, one Becky Hammond and the New York Liberty. Now, let me tell you something about Becky Hammond. I probably have told this story before, but I remember when Becky Hammond was not a starter for the, the New York Liberty, when she would just get a handful of minutes, and I always loved, and I do mean loved, how Becky Hammond played but in this clip right here, ooh, cookies! Cookies at half court. That's a big no-no. And you heard Doris Burke on the microphone saying, uh, Vicky Johnson might need to step up. Of course, Vicki Johnson now an assistant coach with the Las Vegas Aces. But uh, you know, they were saying uh the, the lady texter, Vicki Johnson, La Tech alumna might need to take over for Becky Hammond and Jackson also a member of that Louisiana Tech team uh, or I should say uh, program. Tamisha came out of La Tech and went in the first round of the 2000 draft was picked eighth overall by the Detroit Shock and was with the Detroit Shock for that 2000 season, then played uh, two seasons with the Portland Fire, okay? Anyone know about that Portland Fire, Debbie Black? Anyone know about that Portland Fire team? Uh, Played for the Phoenix Mercury two times in 2003 and 2006, and of course in 2004 and 2005, was with the Washington Mystics, so Tamika Jackson, these are names that the average I would venture to guess the average WNBA fan does not know, and vintage WNBA comes with it. Uh, they have amazing I love when they pull the old uh, the old WNBA commercials, whether it's a promo, whether it's the the Nike commercials. I mean th- these are just classic. These are absolute gold. And the reason that I wanted to mention vintage WNBA on this episode is because one of the vintage, the original gangsta, the OG of the WNBA, one Cynthia Cooper, now Cynthia Cooper Dyke, um, wrote in the Players' Tribune. And let me tell y'all... If you haven't read this, you know I'm going to hit you with the links. But this is fire. We're going to get into this article in the next segment. But I'm going to leave you with the title. I'm going to leave you with the title. Cynthia Cooper Dyke. Playerstribune.com. Headline. I want my damn respect too. Subtitle. I was the Michael Jordan of women's basketball. Ooh, you know, I got things to say, you know, you know, I got things to say coming up next on Locked On Women's Basketball. We're going to get into this article, Cynthia Cooper Dyke. And in the last segment, I'm going to make a case and I know some of y'all hit me up on Twitter. So I'm going to give some love to my Twitter followers because y'all came with some fire comments. We're going to talk about why vintage WNBA across the timeline and other things are important so that Cynthia Cooper Dyke and the rest of the vintage, classic women who put the WNBA on its shoulders, especially early on, why it's time that they get they damn respect too. Coming up next on on Locked on Women's Basketball. Hey, you are listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Women's Basketball. And in this WNBA offseason, that means essential resources. So make sure you tune in every Tuesday, Locked on Women's Basketball for essential resources for women's basketball fans. And you can join me again on Thursdays when we talk social justice in women's basketball. These days, locked on women's basketball fans, I find myself spending a lot of time reorganizing my home, my apartment here in New York. And you know what? (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work. I take little breaks while I'm recording podcasts or doing other interviews uh, to kind of get my space in order for the new year. That's kind of my goal. Um... And and it's tedious, and sometimes all I want to do is lay down and watch some Netflix, but when I need to break through my wall, I go to Build Go. I have some right here by my desk where I record, and, you know, this is a small 1.5-ounce package. It's easy to access right at my desk, and for my mental wall, for my physical wall, while I'm reorganizing my space to make it more conducive for me... Built Go is the way to go. This is also a workout gel though, and it's one of the best on the market. This will give you 5 hours of energy without that same crash feeling, and it's natural. And it comes of course in the the delicious flavors that I uh, love to mention, peanut butter honey, chocolate mint, and my personal favorite, chocolate coconut. So, If you visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Hey, let's go! So I let you know we're going to hear the words and thoughts of Cynthia Cooper Dyke via her latest Players' Tribune article. Let's get it going. One, do me a favor, go on and look up all the big dynasties in professional sports over the last 25 years. Michael and Scotty and the Bulls, Brady with the Patriots, Jeter's Yankees, Shaq and Kobe's Lakers, Duncan's Spurs, Steph's Warriors, LeBron and D-Wade and the Heat, all the big ones. Look them up. Okay, now here's something that's interesting about those dynasties. They never won four in a row. All of those teams, as great, and I mean great, as they were, they never went back to back to back to back. Now, three in a row, that's been done. Five or six, however many, over however many years, also been done. But four in a row? Nope. See, four in a row, that would be something legendary. You figure that if a dynasty ever won four straight, You'd be watching movies about them. They'd be airing TV specials and writing books about it and whatnot. You figure, four in a row, that's something truly special. That's immortality right there. You figure. Here's the thing about it, though. I won four. We won four. From 1997 to 2000, the Houston Comets won four consecutive WNBA championships. And I wonder how many of y'all reading even know our story. I wonder how many of y'all out there actually know who I am. Two, I was the Michael Jordan of women's hoops. That's real. Trust me. It's real and I'll tell you why. The similarities between me and Michael, man, they were crazy. I'm gonna leave the rest for you to read over at Players Tribune. Big shout out to Players Tribune. I love what they've been doing with women's basketball. In case y'all haven't been following, they have really upped their women's basketball coverage. Um, man, let me tell you, <laughs> there's so many gems in this article. Uh, Cynthia Cooper Dyke also talks about her time in the Italian League. Um, and how she was crushing it. She was 34 years old when she came to the WNBA. And from 34 to 38, won four championships. But here's, here's something that I want to I wanna read to you. Uh, that I really found interesting. That I did not know. I did not know and my jaw dropped. This is point number six from Cynthia Cooper Dyke. In the Players' Tribune. Six. In 1996, an American women's professional league started up called the ABL. American Basketball League. That's a a, a note from your narrator. Back to Cynthia. Finally, right? As soon as I heard about it, I reached out to them ju- about joining. And I figured my chances had to be good. I just spent almost a decade leading the top league on the entire planet, in scoring. They passed, though. Yup, they just straight up passed on me. Told me thanks, but no thanks. Said they already had, quote, enough guards. That one hurt, I won't lie. But it was also a helpful reality check. I was 33 years old by then. I was at the end of my prime. And I think the ABL not wanting me That really forced me to get right with the idea that, as far as my playing professionally in the States was concerned, that probably was never going to happen. And as far as American Hoops fans were concerned, my career was pretty much destined to go unremembered. It just was what it was. The opportunity had passed me by. I accepted that. And then a funny thing happened. And again, if you wanna know what happened, If you don't already know, okay? If you don't already know, I'm going to need you to go ahead and read this article. I'm going to need you to go ahead and read this article because I need you to know. I need you to know. And I I just told you that was point number six. Summer 96 is point number seven. And that's when we get into what we know as the WNBA, vintage WNBA, across the timeline, all that jazz. She talks about the air swoops in here. I mean, she gets into the knit and the grit. Um, I'm going to need you to know about Cynthia Cooper. I'm going to need you to know what raise the roof means. I'm going to need you to know what playing for a championship when one of your best friends passed away, died from cancer and dedicating one of your championships to Kim Peratt. I'm going to need you to know what that means. I'm going to need you to know why there's an award, an end of season award named after Kim Peratt. I'm going to need you to know that. I'm going to need you to know and again, that's why Vintage WNBA, Across the Timeline, there's a lot of different resources, but those two are most consistent as far as I'm concerned. And you know, I love to go back, but I'm not even as consistent as Across the Timeline and Vintage WNBA. That is their niche. That is what they do. And they keep the names of WNBA players that the WNBA itself would be happy Presumably to forget they keep those names on Twitter. So I'm going to need you to know. (sighs) Can y'all tell I'm fired up? Listen, I've given a lot of great essential resources. Last week, we talked about Christina Williams. We talked about Girls Talk Sports TV, and she just recently posted. Remember, I told you she had that sit down with rookie of the year. Remember I told you that? Crystal Dangerfield, go check that out. I'll have the description or the link in the description. Listen, Christina is an essential resource, but this is essential for an entirely different reason. But don't take my word for it. We're going to get back. We're going to get back. Into what Cynthia Cooper Dyke has to say. This is point number nine. People knew, but they didn't know. You know, look, there were people in the W who knew I could play. I'm not going to exaggerate here. We didn't have social media at the time, and obviously they weren't broadcasting my games on ESPN or whatever have you. But if you were playing a decent amount of attention, you probably knew who I was. Narrator, uh, editorial note. Hell yeah. Back to... Cynthia Cooper. Real heads knew I wasn't some scrub. Still, though, realistically, there were two ways that most people in the States had gotten any of their women's hoop information. One, by watching college. Ooh, this is important. Okay, this is an editor's note again from Erica. That's important. One, by watching college. Or two, by watching Team USA in the 96 Olympics. And I wasn't on that Olympic squad. And I definitely wasn't in college. So just off that alone, I was relatively anonymous. And then the other thing that I had going against me, if we're really keeping it honest here, is my age. Folks saw that 34 number next to my age, and (laughs) even if they knew I could play a little bit, they just figured Cheryl was the franchise player, Tina was the stud rookie, And I was the veteran brought in to help our team gel, to guide some of these younger players along, to lend a steadying hand. What's ironic is, I actually did all of those things. I was 34, I was the steady vet. I did help our group gel, I did guide those young guns along. I also just so happened to do one other thing, and I happened to do it really, really, really well. I got buckets. (laughs) Yo, swag out, like off the roof, off the chain, off the charts. Crazy. 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 But you heard Cynthia Cooper talk about, at the time, women's basketball was the college game and the Olympic team. That's not necessarily the case right now. But another thing that she mentions... Is her age? Super turned forty years old this year, and she's one of the most talked-about WNBA players. Definitely, in this past season, Diana Taurasi. We talk about her age. Listen, 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 listen. Some of y'all who know me might know where I'm going with this. Some people, we we are in awe when they perform after a certain age other people. We just waiting for them to retire. And obviously, Cynthia Cooper Dyke feels like she was in the latter category. Ooh. Listen, we're going to get more into goat conversations. I hate the goat conversation. And I'm actually going to read a clip from this article that explains pretty, pretty well why I really don't like the goat conversation. But again, I'm reading little snippets this is a long article, but y'all need to read every word, at least twice. Uh, reading from Cynthia Cooper's Dyke, Cynthia Cooper Dyke's contribution to the Players' Tribune, again, entitled, I Want My Damn Respect Too. Okay, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, one, one aspect of this that really just hits home. And then finally, I'm going to go to my social media and... With the help of some people who uh, responded to my post about this article, we're going to make a case for why more of Vintage WNBA and Across the Timeline needs to happen. If you are enjoying this episode of Locked on Women's Basketball, subscribe, rate, review the show. And remember, every Tuesday, I bring you essential resources, and on Thursdays, we talk social justice in women's basketball. I want to I give you a little preview. I want to give you a preview of an upcoming episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. This Thursday, I'm going to give you my best of my favorites coming from the social justice conversations that happened in the Wubble. So you're not going to want to miss it. All right, I'm going back. I'm going back to Cynthia Cooper Dyke, her words as told by Players Tribune. Point number 14. And if y'all know a little something about if y'all know a little something about Cynthia Cooper, you know 14. That's that's kind of an important number. But I'm not gonna give it to you. Y'all, y'all figure it out. Cause y'all need to learn today, okay? Y'all need to learn today. See, this is what happens when they give Auntie a show. You know I'm going to sit here and be preaching, but that's why I'm thankful for y'all who listen. Okay, anyway, y'all don't want to hear from me. Y'all want to hear from Cynthia. Here we go. Point number 14. Before I finish, let's talk about these goat conversations for a second because I think they're pretty interesting. To me, what's been going on over the last year with Michael, Kobe, and LeBron is beautiful. Just with how we had the last dance earlier in the year and everyone reminiscing about all of Michael's accomplishments and how he capped it off with that final ring. And then we had 824 day in the summer and I was so moved. But everyone's sharing all their stories about Kobe, sharing their memories of what made him such an assassin, such a model of toughness, such an amazing champion. And then, of course, you have everything that transpired in the bubble the end of the year with Ron winning his fourth ring on his third team and being named finals MVP. That's been so beautiful to me. Those three moments, I feel like they've combined to create something very special. And I feel like they've almost been this reminder in some type of way of the kinds of conversations we actually should be having when we're talking about things like, quote, the GOAT. When we're talking about players at the level of LeBron or Kobe or Michael or Magic Johnson or Bill Russell or whoever else. I feel like it's been this reminder of how it's not about being one GOAT to rule them all. You know what I'm saying? It's not about there being one GOAT and we have to choose. Ain't never been about that. It's more about being... A whole lineage of goats and that's how I look at it I like that I like that I really do um and I think that we can have that conversation in women's basketball and you know what so does Cynthia Cooper Dyke because she goes on to say but if I'm being honest I also I also wish we were seeing some more of that on the women's side Because I take nothing away from Diana. I take nothing away from her ever. Everything LBJ has done for this generation of men's basketball, DT has done for hers in women's. I'm the first in line to call Diana Tarossi the goat. But it's still a little disappointing to me. I guess how with Diana, everyone just starts doing it almost out of thin air. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying, Cynthia. This is Erica speaking. Um, I, I know what you're saying. Okay, back to Cynthia. I hope that makes sense. Again, Diana earned it. She is that great. She is that GOAT. But it, it's just never felt like anyone has cared enough to trace a lineage to Diana as GOAT. To show any context for it. Or to have any fun with it. Or to nurture any healthy debate about it. It almost felt like, for most people in media and whatnot, women's basketball has only recently started to exist. I haven't seen any Diana versus Cheryl conversation, or Diana versus Lisa, or Diana versus Tamika. Oh, yeah, I'll say it, Diana versus Cynthia. That was actually Cynthia speaking, not Erica. I'm just, I'm reading. I'm still reading. Okay, back to reading. (laughs) I haven't seen much understanding of what it means to call Diana the goat. And I know it's not that serious. I know it's not that deep. I know it's just talk. But I also think it's too bad. Because in a lot of ways, that talk, those conversations, they're really what makes a title like goat mean something in the first place. Women's basketball deserves to have those conversations. Women's basketball deserves a history. Y'all. Y'all. Y'all, 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 y'all. And there's more points. Y'all have to read this. Have I made a convincing argument yet? Y'all have to read this. Okay? I love that. I absolutely love that because you know what? Again, I've talked about this when it comes to social justice. I've talked about this when it comes to how people are marketed. I've talked about this when it comes to why we don't see an all-star team of random ass investors buy a WNBA team the way we've seen them invest in women's soccer with Angel City FC. Okay. I'm going to put a link to my YouTube conversation about that because I need y'all to understand what Cynthia is saying what I've been saying what a lot of other people have been saying and you know what I put some of this I put a I put a, a good whomp in some of this on the WNBA itself on the WNBA itself man listen Seattle winning in the wobble That was amazing. That was amazing. But do you know how many people I had to sit and listen to ask even before they won? People sitting here asking Sue Bird, asking, you know, uh, Alicia Clark, asking about if this was a dynasty, asking Stewie if this felt like what was destined to be now that the whole squad was back together. I mean, I spoke on this podcast. How the insane amount of disrespect was saying that the only reason the Washington Mystics won a title was because Sue and Stewie were hurt. And that essentially 2019 is a wash. That's kind of how it felt to me. And listen, some of y'all who know me know me. Listen, I don't go hard for the Washington Mystics. I'm going to be honest. Man, y'all can hear it. The sirens may be outside my window. I'm a New Yorker, and for whatever reason, maybe because of that Tamisha Jackson clip I played from vintage WNBA, man, I don't, I don't get down with the Mystics like that. I don't get down with DC like that. Much respect to the players, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and root for the Mystics. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. So when I'm coming and asking people to put some respect on the Mystics. Y'all know y'all bugged. Y'all know y'all bugged. It was crazy. Listen, and obviously Seattle did their thing. Does that guarantee that they were going to win in 2019? I don't think so. I don't think so, especially because there was no ED. You know what? That's a whole nother conversation. I'm going to get back to the point. You know, you know, auntie like to digress, but that's a whole conversation like no, 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 no. Yeah. 2018 Seattle storm, psh, not to be fucked with. 2020 Seattle Storm, there were a lot of factors I think you got to weigh in. But end of the day, Seattle Storm did what they had to do in the wobble. Not taking that away from them. But you want to tell me that 2019 didn't mean... Okay, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, as in not cool at all. Anyway, here's what I tweeted. If y'all are not following me, I'm at elindsay08. I quote tweeted the article. And I said all of this. And then I wrote, I will add, Coop didn't come for the WNBA fans calling Seattle or the Lynx a dynasty, but I will. The Comets set the standard out the gate, and it's never been touched. Not even close. So I'm trying to understand why people are sitting here calling the Lynx a dynasty, why people are sitting here calling Seattle a dynasty, I think it was 16 years between Sue Bird's first and her most recent title, and and all of a sudden she's a dynasty? Nah, nah, fam. The Lynx and the Seattle Storm are the only two franchises to match four titles, but what is unmatched is four consecutive WNBA titles. Ain't been touched. Ain't been even touched. So y'all need to stop tripping. So I'm going to go back to Twitter because some of y'all, some of y'all gave me some love. Uh, Kenneth, dang, great article. It's sad how folks have forgotten the comments and some of those legendary figures on that roster. Coop and Swoops, the MJ and Scotty of women's basketball, powerful. Lynn says, I think the links were close. Four in seven is a lot with a lot more balanced league that's an interesting conversation i hear where you're coming from but i disagree four is four four straight is four period the Lynx. they i will give you this lynn and anyone else the Lynx put themselves in contention to win four straight titles in seven years i will give you that between them and the sparks come on i will give you that but no nah, four is four Not four, four in four years is four in four years. Four in seven years is four in seven years. That's three extra chances. No, that's not the same. That's not the same. What do y'all think? Let me know. Uh, FR Farmer, just quote tweets, says, Coop. I love it. Bren, hashtag standards, hashtag goat at WNBA. Bren also said, OMG, exactly what I said. Thank you. I would love to watch all decade 14. That's Cynthia Cooper. uh, Games from the decade in Europe and then go from there. What a fantastic article. Been waiting for this. Cynthia Cooper is the lineage of GOAT for the WNBA. Recognize and respect ESPN 30 for 30. Yeah, we need it. We need it. Uh. I like this comment. I totally had my Comets jersey and red shorts. Thought I was going to get subbed in every game as a kid. We remember. Still have my jerseys. I love that. Kelly. Coop was amazing to watch. I was a Liberty fan and saw her play in person a few times. It really is too bad women don't get the same attention as the men. I feel you, Kelly. I was a Liberty. The New York Liberty were my team, but Cheryl Swoops was my player. That was my player. So I took the Comets. If the Liberty and the Comets were playing, I was rooting for the Comets. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. Uh, Courtney, it's amazing people forget or don't know how dominant Coop, Swoops, and Thompson were. Right? That's three Hall of Famers right there. Tiffany says, "All right, now say that. Yup, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I want to go to something that my good friend, Mr. Holman, Charles Holman, from the Minnesota Spokesman Reporter, a black outlet in Minnesota, uh, because he said something again that's going to make this case for why." Outlets like Vintage WNBA and um, Across the Timeline are important. So I'm sorry, I'm scrolling, trying to find it. Uh, Tiffany M. Davis, this, real heads know, all caps, hashtag WNBA, hashtag comments. And then three, excuse me, uh, three comment emojis and four championship emojis because that's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, I'm still trying to find this, but I'm going to read a few more for you. Tiger style. This, this, this. All decade 14 will always be in my top five all-time hoopers, not man or woman. And if you want to argue with me about, I have the Carfax on deck. WNBA give her and the Houston Comets dynasty team their respect. I feel you. I feel you. I'll come with the Carfax, my dang self uh, Sybil Munoz, in sixth grade, I wore my Cooper jersey weekly, sometimes more than once a week, if I could manage it, I also wore it on picture day, she's a fucking legend, on picture day, oh, I love that, okay, let me get to, to Charles Holman, because y'all, again, came with the heat, I love it, I love it, um, here we go, Charles Holman wrote, Where's the 30 for 30 on the comments? Or even Cooper. Women of Troy, Doc is great. That was on HBO. Highly recommend it. Ranks among the best on the women's basketball I've seen. I, It would be better than watching The Last Dance. Just saying. Watch Troy and the Doc on Purdue NCAA title run, coached by Carolyn Peck. Yes. Respect, respect, respect. Um, Absolutely. Carolyn Peck. Oh, first black woman. To win an NCAA title. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I love it. Um, But there's something else. There's something else that uh, Charles wrote that I think is important. So let me find it for you so I can read it. Um, (coughs) Charles Holman writes... (coughs) So I wrote, um, when Charles said, uh, you know, about the 30 for 30, I wrote, I'd love to see it. I'd also love to see the WNBA take more control of sharing stories from its early years. Thank goodness for Across the Timeline and Vintage WNBA. To which Charles Hallman, Brother Hallman wrote, It's unfortunate that the WNBA is their own worst enemy in regards to marketing itself. It's been my constant criticism for years, and I suppose the league, since its inception, they should be setting up media calls on a monthly basis during offseason with commish players, etc. Now, there's two things to what Charles, what Mr. Holman is saying here, and I agree with both of them. Um... I don't know, a few months ago, I know I talked about it here. It was right around the time that I had um, Jasmine and Kevin. uh, uh, Jasmine, we got game two and Kevin, uh, New Jersey sets when I had them on the show. And people were coming at me talking about, because I was talking about how the NBA, they fumbled the bag. They fumbled the bag when it came to and continue to. Uh, Fumble the bag when it comes to marketing in the WNBA. And this is why. Again, I'm going to read this. It's unfortunate that the WNBA is their own worst enemy in regards to marketing itself. (sighs) Listen, Teresa Weatherspoon, Hall of Famer, was coaching in the WNBA at the time that she was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Myself and a lot of other media members noticed that teaspoon got very little hype during that season. How do, you, how do you not support an active legend, an active coach as they go into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame? And unfortunately, there's a lot more stories like that. If y'all feel like I'm coming for the W and it's, it's wrongly placed, y'all can let me know because uh, you know I'm down for it. But whatever. There are too many examples of the WNBA doing that, and I'm tired of it. Another thing that I love, and this is why I loved the Wubble season, it was overwhelming at first, but to have access to the teams listen, I don't know how long I've been covering the WNBA for how many different outlets, there are still teams that will not put me on their listserv. So even if I wanted to tell consistent stories about specific teams, I can't, because I don't have access to even the emails that they send out. Asked multiple times, there's a team, I featured one of their athletes in the New York Times, and I still can't get their damn emails. Can't get them. Can't get them. (laughs) Listen, you know, we have to honor and celebrate the history of the WNBA. And we have to honor and celebrate what's happening right now. And the way to do that is through media. You're not going to like everything that I say, that I write, or any of my colleagues say or write. But that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is... Women's basketball deserves a spotlight. Women's basketball is basketball history. It's basketball history. It's black history, like Coop says in in her Players' Tribune article. It's women's history. And you know what? We're tired of y'all not telling it. So again, that's why. Vintage WNBA... Is my pick for this week's essential resources. Y'all need to follow this account. I've already mentioned across the timeline. Y'all need to follow this account because if you're real hoop fans, man, listen, we have rookies who were coached by Tina Thompson. Don't know nothing about her story. Everyone's talking about Becky Hammond, and I love Becky Hammond, you know, and I had to, you got to keep the, the, the scales, you know, even. I had to, you know, I had to play that clip of her being a little bit of a scrub because people make mistakes. But Becky Hammond, her story is amazing. And I'm not just talking about her story as a a coach in the NBA. I'm talking about her journey as a basketball player is amazing. It is amazing. I'm itching to interview Becky Hammond to tell this story, y'all. I don't know who's listening out there, but if y'all got a plug, let me know because I'm dying to tell her story. I'm dying to tell her story, and I've tried. But again, I didn't didn't even get a no. I just got no answer, so I I guess that's a no. I'm going to keep asking, though, because I'm going to talk to Becky Hammond. Her story deserves to be told. There I go, going on a tangent, I digress. But what I'm trying to say here is, man, we have to fight, unfortunately, to tell these stories, but that doesn't mean that the fight isn't worth it. Everything that the WNBA players now are doing to fight for the right to exist, to have uh, competitive wages that meet the current market, <sighs> what do you think? What do you think players like Coop? She won four championships. She won four championships and gets no respect. Dinah Tarasi didn't win four. Suber just got her fourth. Candace Parker hasn't won four. Tamika Catchings hasn't won four. Lauren Jackson didn't win four. But when we talk about goats, y'all want to start with Tarasi or Jackson? There were three goats on the comments. Three of them. And them and their teammates did what nobody in the WNBA has done. And y'all want to disrespect and not even have a conversation? Alright, y'all are tired. Y'all are tired. That's what it is. Anyway, I really enjoyed putting together this episode. I got to narrate... If anyone is looking for a voiceover uh, professional or someone to narrate something, I think I I think I did a good job. I enjoyed it. Y'all know I just love to talk, so but it was fun. I think whomever helped write that piece with Cynthia did a great job uh, writing it in a way like I could just feel how she was saying it. So you got my interpretation of of how she was saying it. I hope you enjoyed. Again, you've been listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. I am your Tuesday-Thursday host, Erica Lindsay Ayala. As I mentioned earlier on the show, you can follow me at elindsay08, E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. And, of course, you should follow Locked On Women's Basketball. Not only do you have my Tuesday show like this where we talk about essential resources, not only do you have my Thursday show where we talk about social justice in women's basketball. And, listen, I didn't even get back to Brie Turner. And shout out to Lindsay Darkangelo who featured Turner on Courtside q and I'll have that. Link in the description, because I do want to get back to Brie Turner. Maybe we'll get into that for Thursday. Not this coming Thursday, but next next Thursday. Um, but in addition to the two shows that I do for Lockdown Women's Basketball, Gabe Ibrahim and Amy Otterbert are doing their conference-by-conference uh, conference previews for women's basketball. I didn't get into news, but listen, Corona, that Rona... Is really trying to come for women's basketball. And I'm sure Gabe and Amy are going to talk more about that. And of course, there's Howard Megdahl, who's going to have a sit down with uh, a coach or a player talking about the current season. So follow Locked on WBB, that's on social media. And make sure you follow all of us, the hosts. So again, I want to thank you. I am thankful for you. And that you listened to this show, this was a fun one for me to put together. And hey, if you want to come with the goat conversations, but you're not talking about Coop, you're not talking about Swoops, and you're not talking about Thompson and a bunch of others, I mean, we got Nolan, Ford, come on, come on, Penichero, come on, come on, come on, Teaspoon, come on, y'all. Y'all better learn. Y'all better learn some things about the WNBA. But I'm always here to chat about it. We're going to have to do some more of this. And, of course, big shout-out to the Players' Tribune and to Cynthia Cooper-Dyke for an amazing article that really has had the WNBA community talking. And you know what? Like Coop said, we need more of that. So, again, I thank you. Uh, For those who are celebrating Thursday, I hope you enjoy your meal Um, And again, remember to reflect and to be thankful for that which we have and not focus so much on what we don't have or what we wish we had. Until next time, Erica Lindsay Ayala out. And you know I'm over here raising the roof, raising the roof, raising the roof. Y'all gonna learn about Coop. We raising the roof. (laughs) Catch you next time.